So I was raised Catholic. I was born in a small town in, in Illinois and raised Catholic. Uh, my parents were both Catholic and they had my brother and I in a Catholic church and they elected to have me baptized when I was a baby. I, I attended CCD when I was in uh, junior high and high school and then in high school I took confirmation classes and became confirmed into the Catholic Church. Uh, I went on to attend a Catholic college uh, where I also attended Catholic Mass regularly. Uh, but after college I kind of drifted away from the church. Uh, I didn't attend, um, really didn't make God a big part of my life um, and that went on for I'd say 20 years. My life was okay. Um, I wouldn't say I was overfilled with joy but life was fine. I was healthy. I was getting by in my day to day. I had a regular job. My kids were healthy. And so I was living life and, and just getting by. When my wife discovered Orchard Church, uh, we were actually separated. Um, I was living in my mom's basement, uh, truth be told. And uh, divorce seemed to be on the horizon. It seemed like something in her heart changed. And she invited me to come with her one week. And I went and I. Uh, remember being very moved. The worship team, the song was super powerful. Uh, the message that Doug conveyed was super powerful. And I knew, I knew that that was a place for me. I knew I'd found a new home. I was so overwhelmed by the experience and how different it was compared to the Catholic masses I attended when I was young. Pastor Doug talks a lot about baptism being the outward symbol of your commitment to God, kind of like the wedding ring, he compares it to the wedding ring. And so it was a no-brainer for me. I was happy to publicly commit and publicly display my um, commitment to God and commitment to the church. And so I was grateful for that opportunity. Even though I'd been baptized when I was a baby, um, I was happy to take that step as an adult and show that I'm choosing to make this public and not having the choice be made for me. The moment I was baptized was pretty incredible. Um, I remember a lot of energy in the room. Um, it did feel a little bit unusual to be in my swimsuit and barefoot running around church, but it was pretty exciting to be there amongst hundreds of people and be able to share that moment with, with so many people. Uh, I remember coming out of the water and pointing to God. Um, I want to give him praise for the amazing day. My life is so much more fulfilled now than it was two years ago before Archard and um, my family's restored. Um, I'm a very blessed man. Hey, can we give the Lord praise for that incredible story of life change? Amen. Want to take a moment just to welcome everyone today to Orchard Church. Welcome those that will be watching online uh, maybe next week. It is good to be back home. Uh, we've been on vacation, Shelly and I, for a couple of weeks. Um, we actually did get to go to Hawaii. We're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary, and I had a birthday while we were there. Uh, the first week we were gone, I understand you guys had the coldest week of the entire winter. It was like sub-zero. And uh, when we got word of that, I got to tell you, we felt really bad for you guys uh, when we heard that. Not real bad, but a little, little bit bad. But uh, hey, I do want to thank our incredible staff and our team here at Orchard Church. Um, we have got such an incredible team that made it possible for us to be gone two weeks. Hey, give it up for them. They do a great job. Amen. We could not do it without them. Um, Ryan Singleton brought the message the first week I was gone in our series. Uh, pastor Marcial, our Spanish pastor, uh, brought last week's message. I watched both messages in their entirety. I thought they knocked it out of the park and did an incredible job. Let's give it up for them. 
as well. Um, so blessed by those guys. I do have to say, though, as I was watching both of the messages, I noticed that both of the gentlemen took an opportunity to take a shot at their pastor because I did turn 50 uh, while I was gone, and they gave me a hard time about that. And so I just want to tell you guys, it has been really great working with those guys the last several years. They're going to be missed around here. Ho hope you enjoyed one of their final messages at or. <laughs> No, it's okay. We tease each other because we love each other. And hey, we, we super, we're super excited to get back here uh, this Sunday. This is an amazing day here at Orchard Church. Not only are we closing out our series today, and I'm excited uh, to talk about that, but we have a ton of people that are going public with their faith and baptism today. Already in our first two services, we have baptized 61 people today already. Amen. And we have a bunch more that are going to be baptized in this service. So it's a very exciting day today as we are fulfilling our mission to help people find and follow Jesus. If you haven't already, go ahead and take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Galatians one more time. That's the book we've been studying in this series. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 is where we'll be today. Uh, this series is called What's the Difference? We've been comparing uh, religion to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, religion to biblical Christianity. Uh, we first week just kind of talked about religion in general compared to the gospel and biblical Christianity. And then we talked about the difference between uh, Mormonism and the gospel. Last week we talked about the difference between Islam and the gospel. Today we're going to talk about the difference between Catholicism and the gospel. And I want you to hear my heart again because I know we have a ton of people here at Orchard Church that come from a Catholic background. Maybe somebody invited you today uh, because you consider yourself a Catholic. And we're thrilled to have you here. We're not trying to bash the Catholic Church or, or Catholics. We're not trying to attack anybody. But there are some differences that we're going to talk about today. Uh, let me ask you this by a show of hands. How many of you came from a, a Catholic background? You grew up with a Catholic background. Raise your hands up nice and high. A lot of you did. How many of you at least know somebody who's Catholic or has a Catholic background? That's probably uh, the rest of us. And, and again, a lot of people come to Orchard uh, with Catholic background. It's happened more than once here at Orchard Church that I'm standing greeting people as they leave after service. And I've had people actually walk by several times and, and shake my hand and say, Thank you, Father. That was a beautiful Mass today. And I just smile and say, you're welcome. <laughs> Glad you were here. Uh, some of my favorite worship artists actually um, had Catholic backgrounds. Our, our Catholics, Rich Mullins back in the day uh, was a Catholic. Uh, Matt Mayer, we sing some of his worship songs today. Come away, come up from the grave. Uh, he, he's a Catholic. Um, if you study the life and know a little bit about Mother Teresa when she was alive, um, I don't think any of us could, could argue that she didn't do some amazing things for people and loved people and cared for the poor and lived a, a life of, of sacrifice. I mean, even the Pope today, uh, some of the things that we see him doing, I think he's trying to, to help people. But there, there are some differences between Catholicism and the gospel and biblical Christianity that we're going to talk about today. And here's my heart. I want to inform you today, but I don't want to insult you today. And then there's a difference. And as we look at the book of Galatians, and that's where we've been through this series. If you haven't read it yet, I encourage you to read it. The, the theme of, the, of Galatians is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel means good, good news. And if you're taking notes this morning, I hope you will. Here, here's the theme of the book of Galatians that Paul wrote. It's Jesus plus, help me out church, 
nothing, Jesus plus nothing, Jesus plus nothing to be made right with God, to have your sins forgiven, to have a home in heaven. It's Jesus plus nothing. The reason that the Apostle Paul had to write the book of Galatians, uh, these were churches he started, uh, several churches in the, the region of Galatia. Today we know it as modern day Turkey. He brought people to faith in Christ to be made right with God, to have their sins forgiven, to know they had a home in heaven. And then he left to go to other cities to start churches. And when he left, there were these religious people uh, these Jewish people, they were called Judaizers. They came in and they said, okay, we hear you've accepted Jesus. That's fine. But to really be made right with God, there's some things you have to add to your faith. It's, it's not Jesus alone. It's Jesus plus religion. It's Jesus plus some traditions. It's Jesus plus Judaism and, and following the Old Testament law. For the men in those churches, they said it's Jesus plus surgery. You got to be circumcised. It's like, okay, faith in Christ is not enough. You've got to be circumcised. And I, I'm, I'm just guessing that them hearing that was cutting down on the growth of the church and men wanting to join. No, no pun intended, maybe a little, okay? Now, now if you don't understand, because they were like, it's, if you've got to be right with God, you've got to accept Jesus by faith, and you've got to be circumcised. Now, if you're new to church and you don't know what circumcision is, Marcial, our Spanish pastor, has graciously said he will meet you at Got Questions after this service. To explain it, I think he said he brought a book, an illustration book. He, he, he said it's a pop-up book. I just... <laughs> Did that just happen? <laughs> hey, one of our values is we keep it real. Well, Pastor Doug is definitely back from vacation, okay? Is it okay if we still have fun in church? Is that okay? All right. I didn't use that in the first two services. I knew I could get away with, with the third crowd. You're, you're my party crowd. But here's the thing we've been talking about. And this is what Paul is talking about in the book of Galatians. If, if you don't get anything else, get this. It's in your notes. Here's the difference between religion and the gospel. No matter what religion, uh, the name it goes by. Religion is about earning. The gospel is about receiving. Religion is about earning our salvation and being made right with God. The gospel is about receiving salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's the big difference. And, and I was reminded while I was on vacation the importance of understanding the difference in these two things and how practical this is to our individual lives. I was at the pool one day and I was hanging out and I met this man. His name uh, was Edward. And Edward promised that he would start watching some of our message online. So Edward, if you're watching, hey, welcome to Orchard Church today. I, I made a new friend. Edward uh, was 60, 63 years old. Um, he's a lawyer. He's an attorney. He started out uh, with being a, a lawyer for the federal government. He tried federal cases. He was on the John Gotti trials. And now he's gone on to be an independent lawyer and he tries federal cases and patents and things like this. And he, we, we just kind of struck up a friendship. He's from Boston and he asked where we were from. And then he finally got around and he asked me, well, what do you do? Because uh, I try to keep it a secret that I'm a pastor as long as possible because some people, as soon as you say you're a pastor, they're like, oh, a pastor, you know? And so he found out as a pastor, he thought that was really cool. I told him our story, how we moved to Denver, never lived here, started Orchard Church. He was very intrigued by that. And he said, well, do you mind if I ask you some spiritual questions? Do you mind if I ask you some questions about faith and religion? And I'm like, uh, no, you can do that. And I was like, absolutely. And so he started asking me these questions about God and religion. And what he told me was that he grew up Catholic. But he said, that didn't bring any satisfaction or fulfillment. I didn't really get it. didn't understand. didn't do anything for me. He said, then I traveled the world over, and my, my, my job and my career has taken me all around the world, especially uh, to, like, Asia. And he said, so really, I've kind of started following Buddhism. And for the last 12, 13 years, if you had asked me, I guess I would claim to be a Buddhist. 
He said, but I'll tell you, that really hasn't answered all my questions either. And I haven't found fulfillment and satisfaction in that either. And he said, I, I'm just kind of searching. And he's asking me these questions. It's like, you know, I mean, it's like he's throwing a softball spiritually to me as a pastor. And I'm just ready to, you know, bring the gospel. Because it's so, I mean, what he was asking was so amazing. And I finally set, stopped him and I said, you know, Edward, can I be completely honest with you? And he said, yes, please do. Because I could tell he was searching. And I said, Edward, I think this is the problem. You've been looking for fulfillment and to be right with God through religion. And God is looking for you to have a relationship with him. It's not about finding religion. It's about finding a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And the moment, I kid you not, the moment I said that, his jaw dropped. And he said, I have never thought of it that way. I've never heard that before. He said, that makes complete sense. And we went on and we had about a two-hour long conversation. If you're wondering why I'm tan, it's because I had a two-hour conversation at the pool <laughs> talking to that guy. That's the only reason. And... Uh, and it was incredible. And then I, I got him connected with the book uh, Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, who was attorney, atheist turned Christian. And so would you guys pray for Edward? I believe that Edward is very close to finding faith in Jesus Christ. But the, the key thing was when I said, it's not about finding religion, it's about finding Jesus, a relationship. And that's exactly what Paul has, has been talking about in the book of Galatians. He, he said, listen, you're trying to add something to Jesus, but the gospel is about Jesus plus Nothing. Let's pick it up in Galatians chapter 2, verse 15, as he reminds us, how are we made right with God? He says in verse 15, you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is, help me out, church, made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law, not by doing good deeds and religious practices and rituals. He's going to use this phrase, made right with God, five times in this passage. Some of your Bible will translate it justified. I'll explain what that means in just a moment. He says, we are made right with God by our faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. It's not adding anything to it. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be, help me out church, made right with God because of our religious works. Is that what it says? No, no because of our faith in Christ Jesus, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one, and the word no one here means you guys have been here before. No one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. He says we're not made right with God by adding anything to our faith in Jesus. It's by faith in Jesus alone. And he says we're made right with God. We're made right with God. Some of your Bibles will translate this justified. If you've ever heard the word justified, say yes. The word justified is an accounting term. It means to clear or pay off a debt. A great way to remember justified is just as if I'd never sinned. That's what Christ puts into our spiritual bank account when we put our faith and trust in him. It, it's, it's, our debt has been pay, paid. It's been cleared. It's just as if we've never sinned. We've been made right with God. Our sins, past, present, and future, have been removed, not because we keep religious practices and duties, not because we keep the law, but because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross from his final words? He, he yelled out a word, tetelestai, which means it is finished. It is paid for, paid in full. It's Jesus plus nothing. Let's give him some praise for that, church. It's Jesus plus nothing. Our debt has been paid in full. And that's what Paul is trying to say here. He said, quit trying to add things to what God has done for you. Verse 17, he says this. He makes a case. He said, but suppose, verse 17, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ. 
And then we are found guilty because we've abandoned the law. Because that's what they were saying. It's faith in Christ is enough. You've got to keep the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? What does he say? Absolutely not. No, he doesn't want you just to keep on sinning. No, he's not leading you into sin. Sometimes I talk to people of other faiths and they say, you know, you Christians, you could just say yes to Jesus. You could just accept Jesus by faith and then you can sin. You can live however you want because all your sins are forgiven. No, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely not. You see, we are not saved by our works, but we are saved for good works. Well, let me say it again. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by faith in Christ. But once we're saved and forgiven, there should be some good works to show for that salvation. Uh, Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 2. He, he said it this way. Work hard to what? Show the results of your salvation. He didn't say work hard for your salvation. He said work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Get it this way in your notes. Write, write it down this way if you're taking some notes. Uh, this way. Our works are not about earning our salvation, but expressing our salvation. Okay. Well, let me say that again. Our works, once we put our faith in Christ, are not about earning our salvation. That's already taken care of when we receive Christ. But it is about expressing our salvation and what Christ has done for us. When we come to church and we sing these beautiful worship songs to give praise or on honor and glory to God, we're not doing that to earn God's favor or to earn our salvation. We're doing it because of what he's done for us. When we pray and we talk to God, when we read God's word and he talks to us, we're not doing that to earn our salvation. We're doing it because of our salvation. We're doing it to express. It's not about earning, it's about expressing. When we serve in the church, when we serve other people because Christ served us, he told us to serve one another. We're not serving in order to earn salvation. We're doing it to express our salvation and gratitude. When we give of our time, talents, and treasures, we don't give to earn God's favor. We give because of God's favor because he gave his one and only son for us to save us and to rescue us. When we share our faith, when we witness to other people, we don't do that because we're trying to earn God's attention and earn God's love and favor. We do it because of it. We express it. We have a beautiful example of this today in the baptism that is gonna take place in a few minutes. These people today that are getting baptized are expressing their salvation. They're not earning their salvation. These baptismal waters are, are nothing sacred or nothing special. This isn't holy water over here. Nobody is gonna have their sins washed away because they get baptized. That all happened when they put their faith in Christ. Every one of these people, we've talked to them, we've heard their testimony. Their lives have been radically changed through the power of the gospel because of faith in Christ. This is not, is, baptism is not earning your salvation. It's expressing your salvation. I'm a believer. I'm saved. I want everybody to know about it. Amen. Amen? And this is exciting. That's why we're here today. Paul goes on to say in verse 18, rather, he says, you know, it's, it's, it's not about keeping the law, but rather I'm a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law that I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. I couldn't keep it. Nobody can. So I died to the law, watch this, I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. You know what Paul's saying? I once tried to be a law man, now I'm God's man. I don't try to fulfill the law, I try to follow God. It's, it's an expression of my relationship with him. Verse 20, he says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. He used to try to keep the law. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting, there's the faith again, trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now watch verse 21, very important. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. 
by trying to add to it. Because when you try to add to grace, you diminish grace. We'll talk more about that in a moment. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us what? Right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Does that make sense? Paul's saying if we could earn God's favor and be made right with God and have our sins forgiven in a home in heaven by keeping the law, by keeping the rules, by doing the right do's and don'ts, then why did Jesus need to die? And the reason that Jesus needed to die is because none of us can be saved by keeping the law. That's why we needed a savior. And to add, to try to add to the grace of God is to actually diminish and subtract from the grace and goodness of God. And that's where I wanted to talk about Catholicism for for the next few minutes. What are the differences? What's the big difference between Catholicism and the gospel and biblical Christianity? And if there's one word that separates Catholicism and biblical Christianity more than any other word, it's that word grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. Now, grace is a word you've probably heard before. You're going to read grace over a hundred times in the Bible. It uses the word grace. Let me give you a definition if you're taking notes. The word grace comes from the Greek word charis. It means unmerited favor of God. Unmerited favor of God. It means we don't do anything to earn it. It is something God does through his love and mercy. It's Jesus plus Nothing. That's the grace of God. Now, let me say this. There are Catholics who understand the grace of God, and there are some Catholics that don't understand the grace of God. There are Protestants that understand the grace of God, and there are some Protestants that don't understand the grace of God. There are a lot of people here at Orchard Church that understand and have experienced the grace of God, but there are probably some people here that don't understand and have not experienced the grace of God. But grace is the major difference, because we don't have time to go into all the details. I'll give you a few in a minute, but grace is the key word, difference between Catholicism and the gospel and biblical Christianity. Let me give you a quick history of the Catholic Church. When Jesus Christ was here, those that followed him were called the disciples. Disciple means learner or follower. And then when Jesus left, there were people that continued to follow and put their faith in Jesus, and they were just called disciples, disciples. And we talked about this the first week of this series. If you missed it, you can watch it online. That it was people outside the church, actually enemies, of believers that first gave them the name Christian. Christian means little Christ. They're like, you guys kind of, you know, you act like Christ, you're following Christ, you're like little Jesus juniors running around. And they gave them the name Christian. But, but the Bible name was just followers, believers, um, disciples. And for 300 and some years, there were followers and believers and disciples uh, of Jesus Christ. And some people outside would call them Christians. It was in the year 325 AD, 325 years after Christ, that the Roman emperor, a man named Constantine, decided to make a political and power move. And he decided to recognize Christianity as the official religion of the Roman Empire. And if you study the history, what you're going to find is he took a lot of the pagan uh, Roman practices and he merged them with Christianity, and it's called the Roman Catholic Church. And, And Christianity became part of the Roman Catholic Church. And they went on for centuries that way, the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, That was what everybody was recognizing. And then... There was a guy that came, came along in the 1500s named Martin Luther. How many of you guys ever heard of this guy? Martin Luther. Okay, not Martin Luther King. 
He came along later. Martin Luther in the 1500s, he was a German monk who was once a priest in the Roman Catholic Church. And he studied the scriptures for himself. He studied the Bible and what it said. And what he noticed was there were things that he was being told by the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church that did not line up with the word of God. Starting with indulgences. This is what really got his attention. They have what were called indulgences. Basically, you could pay the Roman Catholic Church to sin. And so bigger sin, bigger price. So you, if you wanted to sin a big sin, you just paid a bigger price to the Roman Catholic Church. And, and he, that got his attention. And he was like, wait, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Now, if that were still happening today, some of you would be broke. <laughs> Me too, okay? And he's like, I have a problem with this, that we can buy sin. And so he actually then came up with 95 issues with the Roman Catholic Church, teaching that did not line up with the Word of God. And he protested against the Roman Catholic Church. This is where we get the Protestant Reformation you've probably heard of. And, and he did, he, what he did was he took these 95 issues, he wrote them down on a piece of paper, and he nailed them to the door of the Roman Catholic Church. He was kind of a laid-back, shy guy. You know, he was hard, had a hard time expressing himself. But here's the thing. We're not, we're not going to go through all 95 of those. Obviously, we can't do that. Here was the main issue. When you boiled it all down, here was the main difference and the main issue that Martin Luther had with the Roman Catholic Church. He believed that salvation was by grace through faith in Jesus plus nothing. And we would agree with that. Amen? Amen. And that started the Protestant Reformation. He said, no, 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 it's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus plus nothing. That's what grace is, unmerited favor of God. Let me illustrate it to you uh, this way. Let's say that this cylinder uh, with water represents Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. It didn't say he had some grace and truth. The Bible says that Jesus was what, church? full of grace and truth. Not partially full, completely full. 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 <laughs> I don't think I can get any more in there. Full of grace and truth. And what Martin Luther said was, Jesus was full of grace and truth. If we want to be made right with God, just like Paul said, all we have to do is put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's Jesus plus nothing. And to add to the grace of God is to actually take away from the grace of God. But, it, but the Roman Catholic Church would say, well, yeah, Jesus, we believe in Jesus, but it's faith in Jesus plus some traditions. And it takes away from the grace of God. It's faith in Jesus plus the seven sacraments. It takes away from grace. It's faith in Jesus plus attending the Roman Catholic masses. It's faith in Jesus plus confession to a priest. And you see what happens? When you add to grace, you actually subtract from grace. And that's what Paul was talking about in Galatians. He said, I, I, don't, I don't count the grace of God as meaningless. It means something. For Catholics, for our Catholic friends, it's Jesus plus traditions. It's Jesus plus these things. If you're taking notes, let me give you two major categories this morning. Uh, we don't have time to get into all of them, but let me just kind of give you quickly uh, two major differences between Catholicism and biblical Christianity and the gospel. First of all, we have different practices. We have different practices, beginning with the Bible itself. The Bible itself, if you're taking notes. We have different practices when it comes to the Bible. Um, for us, we believe that the Bible, the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation, 
Revelation. Um, 66 books written by 40 different authors over a 1,500-year period of time over several continents in three different languages that this is the inspired, infallible, inerrant, perfect Word of God. Everything we need right here. is all right here. Okay? That, that, that's why here at Orchard Church, our number one value is what does the Bible say? Not what does Pastor Doug say or what do the pastors or elders say or, or what does Orchard Church, people say, what does Orchard Church believe? And I'll say, it doesn't matter what Orchard Church believes. It only matters what the Bible says. I'll tell you what the Bible says. But in the Catholic Church, we have different practices when it comes to the Bible. Now, they do believe in the Bible, but they all, it's the Bible plus some other things. It's the Bible plus church tradition. It's the Bible plus the Roman Catholic Church, whatever they say. It's the Bible plus whatever the Pope says. And those other things actually can supersede the Bible itself. This was one of the problems that Martin Luther had with the Roman Catholic Church. He had what they call the five solaces. And one of them was, you have this in your notes, sola scriptura. And Martin Luther believed that scripture has sole authority. It's scripture plus nothing, just like Jesus plus nothing. And so that's where we would differ in the practices with our Catholic friends. We believe the Bible has final authority. They believe it's the Bible plus church tradition, the church, the Pope, uh, other, other things. Uh, we also have different practices when it comes to prayers. Prayers, if you're taking notes. Um, they believe that you can pray to people other than God and other than Jesus, that you can pray to Mary, that you can pray to saints. Saints are basically people that if they led a good enough Roman Catholic church life, that when they die, they can canonize them and call them saints. And you can pray to them. Nowhere in the Bible does it encourage us to pray to saints, uh, to get to God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there are none of us righteous apart from Christ. No, not one. We've all sinned and fall short of a relationship with God. None of us deserve in our efforts to be called saints. Um, you know, when we have newborn babies that are born here at Orchard Church and you bring them to church and, you know, you want to show Pastor Doug your little baby and I'm like, oh, how precious, how cute and all that. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, little sinner. <laughs> little sinner. If you're, if you're a new parent, just wait. It'll come out. Right? Right, parents? Amen? You, you don't have to teach people how to sin. We come by it naturally. I raised two kids. I didn't have to teach them how to lie. I didn't have to teach them how to be selfish. There's no one is righteous without God. But they make these saints and, you know, canonize them and all of that kind of stuff. You know what's interesting is the Bible says that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we become saints and priests to our God. Here's the thing. Here's how I come at it. Why would I go to a saint with my prayers when I can go directly to the throne of grace and the God of this universe and my Savior, Jesus Christ? I've got direct access. Read the whole book of Hebrews. The entire book of Hebrews talks about that very thing, very thing. So we, we differ in our practices when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to prayers. Uh, let me give you another one. We differ in our practices when it comes to um, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Do we believe in the virgin birth, the immaculate conception? Absolutely. We believe that Mary w uh, conceived Jesus of the Holy Spirit. Um, it was a supernatural birth. But we do not believe, unlike our, our Catholic friends, friends, that Mary remained a virgin all of her life and that we can pray to her and that she has some special power. Nowhere is that taught in the scriptures uh, that we should pray to Mary. As a matter of fact, the reason we believe she did not continue to stay a virgin, read Matthew chapter 13, verse 55 to 56. Jesus had other brothers and sisters on this earth, and those were not virgin-born births. 
Those were natural births. Those were not immaculate conceptions. We don't believe that Mary uh, remained a virgin after having Jesus. Uh, She went on to have children naturally. We believe that Mary needed a Savior as much as all of us need a Savior. And and the Bible also tells us this. You know, this applies to to trying to pray to Mary or or to pray to saints. Uh, The Bible says, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, there is one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Jesus Christ. We have direct access to our Lord and Savior and and to God. So we differ in our practices with Mary. We differ in our practices when it comes to confession uh, with our Catholic friends. Um, They believe that if you want to confess your sins, then you go to the priest and you confess your sins to the priest and the priest has special powers to forgive you of your sins. Again, see that nowhere in in Scripture. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Why would I go to a priest when I can go right to my Savior? Amen? Amen? Are you all with me? Say yes. Okay? Just telling you the differences. Telling you the differences. Okay? One more difference um, that I'm going to give you today would be um, where we differ in practices would be when it comes to sacraments. Uh, the Catholic Church has what they call the sacraments. There's seven sacraments. We don't have time to go in all of them, but they believe that if you do these seven things, you, you put your faith in Jesus and then add these seven things, you can be right with God, have a home in heaven, have your sins forgiven. Things like infant baptism, which we see nowhere in Scripture, confirmation, don't see that in Scripture. Um, the Eucharist, they call it the Eucharist. This would be at the Mass. We call it communion, um, the Lord's Supper. When we partake of communion, we recognize that the bread and the cup are symbolic of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. They have no saving or forgiving power, but they remind us of that which does, which is Jesus and our faith in Jesus. But they believe when they partake of the elements that they are actually having their sins forgiven every time they do that over and, and over again. And if you don't do that, then you can't be made right with God. Those are duties. Those are religious works, the religious acts. And this is where we would differ because Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace we have been saved through our faith and that not of ourselves. It's not anything we do. It's the gift of God that he gives us by his grace, not of works, lest anybody should boast about it. And so, yeah, we can celebrate that. Amen? So there's, there's differences in Catholicism and in biblical Christianity and the gospel when it comes to our practices, the Catholic Church would say, yes, Jesus, but it's Jesus plus some traditions and some sacraments. The Bible, we believe, teaches it's Jesus plus nothing to be made right with God. Not only are there different practices, but let me give you um, some different gospel. They have a different gospel. Um, It it sounds a lot like ours, but when you listen to it closely, it it is different. Here's the gospel as taught by the Roman Catholic Church and how it's different. Catholicism, you have this in your notes. Catholicism teaches, if you want to be made right with God, here's how it happens. Faith in Jesus, yes, put your faith in Jesus, plus the church, specifically the Roman Catholic Church, the sacraments equals being made right with God. That's the gospel of the Roman Catholic Church. Faith in Jesus plus the church, the Roman Catholic Church, the sacraments equals being made right with God. Here's the gospel of biblical Christianity as we see in the scriptures. Faith in Jesus plus nothing. You're getting it. Nothing is how we're made right with God. This is exactly what Paul said in Galatians Let me take you back there again, verse 16. He says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by our religious duties and practices? No, 
by our faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our, say it church, faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. It's a different gospel. It sounds similar, but it's different. It's Jesus plus. And when you add to grace, you actually subtract from grace. Here's the bottom line. Catholicism says this. They, They believe in the grace of God. But here's the way they teach the grace of God. They believe that the Catholic Church imparts the grace of God to individuals through the Catholic Church, through keeping the sacraments, the Eucharist, the Mass, the confessions, and all those things. If you do enough of those things, you get the grace of God. Biblical Christianity says that the grace of God only comes from the grace giver when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Only the Savior can save. That's the difference. Orchard Church cannot give you the grace of God. I cannot give you the grace of God. I can only tell you about it and offer it to you, but you accept it by faith. That's the difference. Big difference when it comes to grace. When it comes to grace. I want to wrap up because we're getting ready to prepare for baptism. And and there's a difference when it comes to baptism between the Roman Catholic Church, uh, what they believe and teach, and biblical Christianity. In, In Catholicism, baptism is part of your salvation. You cannot be saved, sins forgiven, be made right with God without getting baptized. But biblical Christianity teaches something different. What we're about to see happen is not going to save anybody. You see, baptism is not about salvation. Baptism is about a celebration. It's not about salvation. These people have all already put their faith and trust in Christ. It's a celebration that they're going public with their faith. And, man, I want to encourage you guys, when these people get in the water and they come up out of the water, man, you cheer and you roar because it's a celebration today of people who have said yes to Jesus. They have been made right with God because of their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I I like to, Joel said this in the video, I like to call baptism the wedding ring of the Christian life. What is a wedding ring? It's a symbol. It's a picture of our relationship with our spouse. It doesn't make us married or unmarried if we take it off. It's a symbol. That's what baptism is. It doesn't save us. It doesn't forgive us. It's, it's a symbol. It's an outward display of our inward decision and faith in Christ. We have people all the time, because we have a lot of people here at uh, Orchard Church that have Catholic backgrounds that say, well, you know, I was baptized as an infant, as a baby. It was something my parents did for me. You know, they're trying to set me on a spiritual journey, and that's cool, and that's all fine. But, you know, um, I'd like to be baptized now as an adult. I now have put my faith in Christ. I've made that decision. I understand it. Would it be okay to be baptized? Would it be okay, Orchard? Absolutely. Not only would it be okay, it would be following the biblical pattern. Because what you see in Scripture, people ask us sometimes, why don't you baptize babies and infants here at Orchard Church? Well, the first reason we don't do it is because you have no examples of babies being baptized in the Bible anywhere. The example of baptism in the Bible is always somebody believing in Jesus, making that conscious decision, and then going public with their faith. It's belief and then baptism. Belief and then baptism. But if you're here today and you were baptized as an infant and you say, man, I'd like to do that as an adult. I'd like to experience that for myself. You know, kind of a fulfillment of the spiritual journey my parents set me on, but now I'm doing it, you know, my choice before God. You can still get baptized today. And some of you are like, well, I didn't come prepared. Well, we prepared for you. 
We have swimsuits available. We have shorts. We have towels. We have T-shirts. In just a moment, I'm going to dismiss all those who've already come prepared. You just go ahead and head out that door as well. Join them. We'll get you set up. We'll get you checked in out here at our booth and, and get you. And you could go. You could go public today with your faith. Would it be okay if some people just spontaneously said, "I want to display my faith today"? Wouldn't that be cool? We had a we had a lady in our in our last service. When I gave that opportunity, she was kind of, she, she grew up Catholic, was baptized as a baby, um, had put her faith in Christ as an adult, but had never uh, been baptized since then. And, and she was watching everybody get baptized. It was toward the end of the last song. And she finally jumped up and God got a hold of her. She ran out the door and she was, they said in the hall, she was like, is it too late? Is it too late? She's like, I want to get baptized. And we were like, no, let's do it. And she got baptized. We had seven people that spontaneously got baptized in, in the last service. So... Man, that's, that's how they did it in the Bible. And so if this is something you've been thinking about, maybe you've been putting off, man, just do it today. Just, just do it. Let's celebrate with that. So right now, here's what, what I'm going to do is um, all those that are prepared to be baptized or those who want to get baptized, let's go ahead and just have you guys stand, head out that door right there on the side, and you guys get prepared as we wrap this up. And hey, let's just give it up and celebrate all those that are going to be going public with their faith in baptism today. Amen. You guys head on out there. And again, if you want to join them, just head out that door. We'll get you set up. Uh, man, make it today. Make it today. There's never a wrong time to say yes to Jesus and go public with, with your faith. As we wrap this series up, y'all look at me, listen. As we wrap this series up, what's the difference? Here's the difference. Religion is about earning. The gospel is about receiving. Let me ask you this question. Who are you trusting in to be made right with God? Who, who are you trusting in? Jesus plus you and your good works or Jesus plus nothing? Jesus plus nothing. And, and here's why this is so important. Listen to me. Because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything. That's what's so amazing about grace. Grace unmerited favor of God amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found I was blind but now I see because of the amazing grace of God Father we thank you today for your love and your amazing grace that you loved us enough to send your son to die for us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. May we accept that grace. May we live in that grace. May we express our salvation to you, the one who has sacrificed everything for us. So we continue in attitude of prayer right now, heads bowed and eyes closed. I know many of you are here today as believers in Jesus Christ. You'd say, you know, I, I know, Pastor Doug, that I did not earn my salvation, but I also know I could do a better job expressing my salvation in my worship and my relationship and pursuit of Jesus. If that's you today, could I pray for you and say, yes, I, I could do a better job expressing my salvation. Would you lift up your hands all across this auditorium? I know I didn't earn my salvation, but I could do a better job expressing because of all that Jesus has done for me. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray that we would all express our salvation to you with gratitude and rejoicing that we love you as much as you've loved us. 
Not to earn our salvation, but to express our salvation. We don't work for our salvation, but we work to show our salvation. And that when people would see our lives, that there would be a difference and that they would be attracted to the love of Jesus and what you've done in our life, that they would want that in their life. So we continue in an attitude of prayer this morning. Let me ask you this question. Have you received God's grace through his son Jesus by faith plus nothing? Plus nothing? Have you been made right with God? If you say, well, I'm not sure. I want to be, but I'm not sure. You can be sure today. You can be 100% sure. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're made right with God because our faith in Jesus. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. And I'm going to invite some of you to pray this prayer with me. It's not a magic prayer. These aren't magic words that we say. But a prayer is a way to express what we believe and the faith that is in our heart where we make a decision for Christ. And if you'd be willing to pray this prayer of faith from your heart to God's today, you can be made right with him. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me right where you sit? And it goes like this. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you by faith into my life today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your amazing grace and amazing love. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I believe some of you just prayed that prayer and you meant it and you put your faith in Christ. You've been made right with God. And I would love the privilege to just pray for you that you grow in your relationship and walk with Jesus from this day forward. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask you just to slip up your hand if you prayed that prayer so I can pray for you. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand all across the auditorium? God bless you right here. Amen. God bless you right here. One, two, three, four people over here. God bless you. God bless you. Some hands over here on my left. Amen. Amen. Praise God, church. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we just lift up all those today that have said yes to you. They've been made right with you, not because of rules and regulations and duties and religion, but through a relationship by faith with your son, Jesus Christ. We accept them into the family of God. We welcome them as our brothers and sisters in Christ. And may we all grow in our walk and relationship with you and your amazing grace. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, can we celebrate those saying yes to Jesus once again? We're going to go into our time of baptism in just a moment. Our service is far from over. The best part is about to happen as these people are going public uh, with their faith. But let me say this. Everybody look up here real quick. Please pay attention to this. If you just raised your hand, you prayed that prayer to say yes to Jesus, please, 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 before you leave today, stop by our I Said Yes booth in the lobby. We'd like to put this little booklet in your hands we put together to help you understand the decision you've made, give you your next steps and your walk in relationship with Jesus. So please pick that up uh, before you leave today. Uh, let's stand right now. Now, and we are going to worship and we are going to celebrate big time all those going public in their faith. It's not too late. If God is speaking to you and you still want to get baptized, head out that door. We'll get you set up. But hey, let's celebrate all those that have said yes to Jesus getting baptized today. Let's celebrate.